Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. If you take out your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, uh, get the Word in front of you. Look at somebody you came to church with and tell them, we're going to get in the Word now. Come on, tell them we're going to get in the Word. We're going to dig in. We're going to dig in. I want to share a message called uh, that I've titled, He Sees You. And, uh, and before I do that, I want to pray. So if you would, would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this great day. We thank you for another beautiful day to come into your presence with our friends and our families. And Lord, we never take for granted that we can worship you freely in this nation. There's many countries that they are not permitted. It's illegal. The Bible's illegal. It's been outlawed. Christians that are in persecution, uh, Christians that will be put in prison or even martyred, murdered for the cause of Christ because of their faith. God, we're thankful that in this country as many problems as that we do have uh, one that we don't have is that we can worship you freely god we can worship you freely we can live our lives out loud for you and not in hiding not in the shadows but god we can be a light as you've called us to be a light father let us be that light lord we love you we pray that you speak to us today god speak to us speak to our hearts speak to our minds god change us challenge us encourage us. Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Amen. Let's give a round of applause for our worship team. They're always bringing it. I don't know if you've ever felt overlooked, but that's kind of what I want to talk about today is the idea of or the feeling of being overlooked. Uh, Maybe you've felt overlooked in your own life. Maybe you've felt like people didn't see you or even that God doesn't see you or your situation. You know, sometimes you could feel like that when prayers aren't answered, like, yo, Lord, do you see what I'm going through? Or maybe you felt unnoticed, just simply not noticed, not overlooked, but unnoticed or many people feel unappreciated or even forgotten about. And sometimes you feel overlooked by people and other times uh, you feel overlooked by God. You know, think about situations where maybe you didn't get the job, you didn't get the promotion that you thought you should have gotten. Somebody else got it, right? Or you didn't make that team. Somebody else made the team. Or maybe your family, they don't see all that you do or it doesn't seem like they do. Uh, I know there's people that they they start to wonder because they're single and all their homies are getting married and they're starting to worry like, yo, man, like I'd like somebody in my life too. You know, it's like that overlooked or sometimes you get married and you, when you're in that age, everybody starts getting married and then your friends start having babies. And then maybe you like, man, well, we can't have babies. We've been trying and we just don't seem to have that, the, the, the spotlight on us. Like, Lord, we need you in our life. Do you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? Do you see what my situation is? I have felt this way so many times throughout my life. I have felt just like that. Overlooked. I felt overlooked by teachers. I felt overlooked by preachers. I felt overlooked in my life by family members. Uh, many times throughout my life, uh, I remember, you know, I'm an Arizona native, which there's just not many of us. How many of you are Arizona natives? Na- 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 native, native means you were born here and you still live here. You, you, so how many of you are natives? Let me see your hands. Okay. So see, there's like 28 of us and the other 900 and something of you are not natives, but uh, we, we, us natives, you know, I know this area. This is my area. There's all, I feel like I know it's not just the Valley. I feel like I know every town, every city. I grew up playing sports here. There's cities that like, you didn't even know they existed where I've been. Uh, I've been, I feel like I've been to every river, every mountain, every piece of dirt. And this is my state. This is my state. And I love our state. You know, it gets a little hot uh, in, you know, the middle of July. 
uh, and everything breaks, ACs break, cars break, batteries die. I mean, tires blow out. Like, but this is this we. Hey, if you're native, we take pride in that. It's like, yep, it's going to be really hot. You're going to walk outside, and your eyebrows are going to burst into flames. But this is the way we like it in Arizona, and and uh, and so I, I love Arizona. But I grew up and uh, played basketball at this park in the West Valley. It's called Chicken Park. And has anybody heard of Chicken Park at all? So there's one there, one person, that's why, two. Of course, the black man, he's heard of Chicken Park, of course. When I grew up, I played basketball at Chicken Park, and I was literally the only white guy that showed up, and that's why I say that. And if you know anything about Chicken Park, especially back in the 90s, that's where all the ballers went to play, like the real good talent. And I never, it, I would show up at the beginning, it was about eighth grade, freshman year, I would show up and they would pick teams, right? And this is what they would do. They would pick all the other people first. Nobody wanted the freckle-faced white kid with the Georgetown Hoya jersey. It's not that they didn't like me, they just didn't know me, right? And so I would be the last pick. Sometimes I wouldn't be picked at all. And I just, it would just drive me and drive me all that much more to be great at the things that I wanted to be great at in life. But I hated that feeling. I hated it. I hated being overlooked. You know, it can make you feel unimportant. It can make you feel insignificant. In fact, there's a lot of different people throughout the Bible that uh, they were overlooked. Uh, David, for example, David was overlooked in the Bible. Uh, Nobody thought that little David could feed the giant. Nobody. I mean, his brothers were like, get out of here. You need to go back to tending your sheep. You're just here to watch the war, right? King Saul's like, David, you can't fight this giant. You're not even a soldier. There's no way you can fight this giant. His brothers didn't believe in him. The king didn't believe in him. But guess what? Not only did David believe in David, but God believed in David. And that's really all we need in our life is to know that we are supported by God. You know, you fast forward a few years. David's going to Jesse, his father, Jesse, he has eight sons. David's one of them. And Samuel comes to Jesse and he's like, look, we need a new king. Oh, we need a new king. So show me, bring me all your sons. I want to pick one of them to be king. And Jesse brings seven brothers, but not David. I mean, no, that's pretty messed up, right? He's like, yeah, let me show you my boys. And he brings seven of them, but not David. He's overlooked. And I love what Samuel says to Jesse. He looks at the seven sons and he's like, yo, is this all you got, man? Like, There's got to be something better than what I'm seeing here. And even though David might not have been looked upon by man, David was handpicked by God. And God sees you. God sees where you are. God sees your situation. God knows the future and God knows what he's doing. So I want to get into the outline today because I want to talk about being overlooked. What do you do when you're overlooked? You know what I say? It's not that you're overlooked. It's that God has been hiding you and God has been hiding you for the perfect time and the perfect situation because God has a bigger plan for your life than the relationship that you've been pursuing. God has a bigger opportunity for you than that opportunity that you've been pursuing. God has a bigger plan for you than maybe that little town or that little city that you came from. And so he sees you. And I want to give you four things in your outline today to do while God is hiding you. Four things that you should do while God is hiding you. Let's dig in. Number one, continue growing your character. Somebody say character. Continue growing your character. Okay, character. Keep working behind the scenes. Keep working in the dark. And when that spotlight does shine upon your life, you want to be a person of high character. You want to be a person with high standards, values, morals, a person of integrity, a person that is Christ-like in nature. Listen, the best time to develop your character is in the dark when nobody else is looking. It's a lot harder to develop your character when the spotlight is on you. It's a lot harder to develop your character after the fact than it is before the fact. And so uh, the problem is, is that 
Too many times when we feel overlooked, instead of pursuing our character, we pursue attention. Right, man, I'm overlooked, so like I'm going to have to pursue getting seen. So instead of pursuing my character, I pursue attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me, here I am, look at me, pick me. Like I want to be the one that you see. And so oftentimes we seek affirmation, we seek uh, compliments in our life instead of character. And so, listen, somebody needs to hear this because if you live off the compliments of people, you'll die from the criticism of other people. If you live for the compliments, you'll die from their criticism. If you build your life on validation instead of on your values, you're a foundation. It will eventually crumble. So keep growing your character. Keep building your character behind the scenes in the dark. God sees you. God sees everything about you. He sees your heart. He sees your mind. He sees your situation. In fact, God looks at the heart. This is a great scripture I want to read to you in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Look what he says. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his outward appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. He said, for the Lord sees not as man sees, but looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the what? Heart. The Lord looks at the heart. So man might look at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. God sees the heart. It's interesting. To be honest, it's kind of sad that we live in this world where we glorify and we celebrate the things that we see. Right? We do. We glorify. We celebrate the things that we see in life. And to me, that's a really sad thing. Like it, it, the world thinks that what is seen is the most significant. If you're famous, we glorify you. If you're rich, we celebrate you. If you're talented, we glorify you. Nobody, listen, nobody gets asked to give an autograph for their character. Right? I mean, can you imagine walking up to somebody, you're like, hey, can I, Cassie, can I get your autograph? Wait, me? Like, what do you want my autograph for? Because you're a woman of God. Because you're a person of character. Because you're a person of integrity. Like, we want celebrity autographs and celebrity pictures. Hey, listen, man, I know a lot of athletes, celebrities. If you all knew the things that I knew, you wouldn't be wanting no picture. You wouldn't be wearing no jersey. If y'all knew the things that I knew. But we, we celebrate based on what we see. We celebrate their performance. We celebrate their abilities. But see, God looks on the heart. We, we look on the outside. God looks on the inside. We glorify the famous. We glorify the actors and the actresses and the athletes and the celebrities and extremely wealthy people. The scene. They might not be good people. They might be spiritually and morally bankrupt, but yet we still celebrate them. We glorify the visible, but listen, what is invisible is many times what is most valuable. What happens behind the scenes, right? What are you doing when nobody else is watching you? God looks on the heart and he sees you. Stay diligent. Your time is coming. Look at somebody and tell them, your time is coming. Your time is coming. Your time is coming. Listen, I want to tell you guys this. I mean this with all sincerity. When the time does come, when the spotlight is put on your life, okay, you will either be, you will either be highlighted or you will be exposed you want to make sure that when your name is called, your character is in line with God's word. Because when that spotlight shines on your life, you will either be highlighted or you will be exposed. It will highlight you or it will expose you. Your character is the most important thing about you. As a man or a woman of God, your end game. Your end game is to become more Christ-like in your character. More Christ-like. Okay, the Bible uses another word for character that I want to talk about for a minute. It's the word fruit. 
Right? He says, be fruitful. Look at somebody and tell him he's talking to you right now because you need better fruit in your life. You need some better fruit in your life. Hey, is anybody here today? You guys with me today? Anybody here at all? Is this microphone working? Do I got to... Do I really got, I got to pre- preach the paint off the wall to get you guys to amen and holler back at me. I need an amen. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen. Okay, good. Good. So making sure y'all still here. We have over a hundred people signed up and coming to our IC growth track today after the second service. That's a huge number. And over 40 that are signed up online. We have about 150 that I know of that are going to start their IC growth track today. Listen, you know what that means? These are people that want to grow good fruit. These are people that want to grow in their relationship with Christ and become more Christ-like. I want to bear good fruit. That's what character is. I want to grow. I want to grow good fruit. Character. Let's talk about it for a minute. In John chapter 15, verse 8, these are the words of Jesus. He said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much Fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So what is bearing fruit? It's showing yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then he says, the proof that you are a disciple is that you bear fruit. I want us all to read this verse out loud together. Ready? I asked you a question. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Let's go. Ready? I'm going to preach to those that want to hear it today. Okay. Okay. John 15, 8. Here we go. Let's read it together. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The proof that your disciple is that you is that you bear fruit. So there's there, there's, there should be Jeremy. There should be evidence, the proof that you're a disciple. See, there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. The difference is the fruit. I believe that might get you in heaven. Okay. But I believe is just an idea. I believe in Jesus. I believe in there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people that believe in God. In fact, James says in the book of James, even the demons believe and tremble. So what makes us different from a demon? Well, I believe PT. I believe in Jesus Christ. What separates us from the devil is the character of God being revealed, proven in our lives, right? That I'm becoming more Christ-like, that I bear good fruit. The proof that you are a disciple is that you what? Bear fruit. Okay, let's, let's talk about fruit for a minute because I like fruit. Fruit's my favorite food. I could eat fruit all day. Really, I could. I could eat fruit all day long if... If I only ate anything at all, if I, if I was going to die and you were like, what do you want to eat? It'd be fruit. It'd be fruit. I like fruit, but I like good fruit. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a fruit picky guy, right? Like when I buy a bundle of bananas, I'm the weird guy sitting there looking at the bundles for about 15 minutes. Like I'm a fruit snob. Some of y'all coffee snobs, right? I'm a fruit snob. And then once I get the right bundle of bananas and I get them home, those bananas, I got to eat them within two days because on the third day, they're not like Jesus where they rise from the dead. They keep dying and they keep dying. So I need, I'm fruit picking. I, I like good fruit. And that's what God wants in us is good fruit. He wants us to bear good fruit. And you grow what you sow. Okay, let's look at this verse in, Gen- in Galatians 5 about fruit. Galatians 5. This is the fruits of the Spirit. There are nine fruits of the Spirit. Okay, these are the fruits that you should be bearing, growing in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Somebody say love. love. Somebody say joy. joy. 
Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, seeing uh, such things, there is no law. So, like, I love Jesus, PT, but, man, I, I, I'm not really not that nice to people. I love Jesus, PT, but I'm not really gentle ever. I'm kind of a jerk all the time, right? I love Jesus, but I have no self-control. I have no discipline in my life. I have no self-control in my life. I love Jesus, but I'm not faithful. I mean, I've cheated on my spouse like 15 times. I'm not faithful. I love Jesus, PT. So we're talking about fruit, good fruit, right? God wants us to grow in our fruit, in our character. Okay, let's look at number two because we got to keep going through this outline. Number two is when I'm being hidden by God, what do I do? Continue in growing your skills. Continue growing, sharpening your skills. Man, nobody's watching you right now. It's the perfect time to get better at whatever you need to get better at. Nobody's watching you. Get better, right? Get better. Sharpen your skills. Sharpen your axe. Okay? Find the best looking person around you again. Go ahead. Look at them. It's got to be somebody really good looking. And tell them you got skills. Go ahead. Tell them you got skills. Now find the ugliest person you can find. And tell them this. Tell them, find somebody really ugly. Go ahead. And tell them, at least you got some skills. Come on. You don't want to do that. Skills. We all got skills. We all got gifts. We got talents. We got abilities. Okay. Keep growing in your skills. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, there's a verse that says, if your axe is dull and you don't sharpen it, you have to work harder to use it. Right? If the axe is dull, is your axe sharp? Is your axe dull? I've shared a story before, but I have a lady in my life that just passed away. Her name was Louise Simonson. She was my host home back when I was in Bible school. And Louise is about four foot ten. I mean, literally the, this short little, sweet little on fire woman of God. At 95 years old, she finally went to be with the Lord. But at 95 years old, she still went out and cut her own wood. How can you do that at four foot ten, you know, 95 pounds? How can you still do that at 95 years old? You can do it if the axe is sharp. You can do it if the axe is sharp. And so God is telling you today to keep the axe sharp because when you do get that call, you want to be ready to go. When you get that call, you want to be on your A game, not on your C game, developing into your B game. You want to be ready for the call. Now, I know that many of you maybe don't know Pastor Andre at this point, but Pastor Andre is one of my best friends on the planet. And I love this man with all my heart. Uh, In fact... Back in the day, Pastor Andre was an Arizona Cardinal player, and he is now my right-hand man, associate pastor. But when he was a Cardinal player, he started a Bible study for his teammates, and eventually that Bible study opened to the public. That is our church. That's what Impact Church is. It's from the seed of a Bible study in the NFL. Okay, But what I love about, one of the things I love about Pastor Andre You better leave because I'm going to talk about you for a minute. One of the things I love about Pastor Andre is his story because he was overlooked. He grew up in Miami, went to a small high school, very small high school, played football, but he didn't really get any offers for college. He got a couple small school, you know, partial scholarship things, nothing big, nothing worthwhile. So you know what he does? He walks on at Florida State. Now, to be a walk-on in football, you know, it's a big deal. you got to enroll in school. Then you got to go try out. You hope that you make the team because I've already enrolled in this school, right? So you're going to walk on at Florida State. A walk-on gets no money from the school. So he's overlooked. But he knew 
what his gift was. He knew what his skill was. He knew the guys that were on scholarships and he knew that he could compete with those same guys. And I love Andre's story because he's a walk-on. And then in the first season, his freshman year, he's not playing. He's a walk-on and he's a freshman. He's not getting quality time or minutes. They're playing the University of Miami. So he's at Florida State playing Miami, which is a nationally televised game. They're rivals. Andre's coach is a Hall of Fame legend in Bobby Bowden. Absolute monster beast of a coach and a man of God. And so they're in this game. Andre's a defensive end. So during the game, the nose guard, now I know not everybody knows football, but the nose guard is the center person on the line on defense. The nose guard, the defensive end is way down on the defensive end. The nose guard gets hurt. The defensive coach walks up to somebody on the line and goes to so-and-so. Hey, you know nose guard position? No, coach, I don't. Next person, you know the nose guard position? No, coach, I don't. Wadsworth, you know the nose guard position? Yes, coach, I do. You know that Andre went in that game as a walk-on freshman and he went in to play a position that he wasn't even his main position and he got 10 tackles and one sack his very first game and from that day forward he started every game of his life. Not only did he start every game of his life after that at Florida State, but he enters the NFL draft and he gets drafted number three overall behind Peyton Manning, somebody that doesn't matter, and Andre Wadsworth. Overlooked. But God sees you. But Andre was ready. And this is what I love about the story is he wasn't just ready in his own position. He learned every position on the defensive line just in case he got the call. That's ready. That is ready. That is, I am sharpening my axe just in case I get an opportunity. I'm going to be ready in every situation. Look at this Bible verse in Galatians. I love this verse. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Be ready. Keep working. Keep sharpening the axe. And he says, at the proper time. Look at somebody and tell them again, your time is coming. Come on, tell them, prophesy to them. I believe there's, does anybody else believe that there's power in the words that you use? I'm not saying look at your neighbor and lackadaisical tell them your time is coming. I'm asking you to look at them and prophesy in Jesus name and tell them your time is coming. Come on, tell somebody your time is coming. Your time is coming. It's coming. It's coming. He sees you. He sees you. You know, you can't go anywhere where God doesn't see you. That's both good news and bad news. He sees you. I love what David says in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. God sees you. Keep growing your character. Keep growing your fruit. You know what's interesting about fruit? I always say this. If you've been at Impact for more than like two weekends, you've probably heard me say, I say, you grow what you sow. You grow what you sow. It's an analogy of the harvest. It's the law of the harvest throughout the Bible. You grow what you sow. You reap what you sow. But the interesting thing about fruits is no roots, no fruits. Well, guess what? Roots are built in the dark where nobody sees it. Nobody sees what's going on. Yeah, there's those random trees where the roots came out of the ground, you know, but nobody, the roots are buried in the earth. Where nobody sees what's going on. But without what's going on in the invisible, you'll never be able to see the fruit of what's going on in the visible. And it's no roots, it's no fruits. The Bible talks a lot about fruits, and it talks a lot about roots. 
It talks a lot about both. In fact, I want to read to you from Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. These two verses, he says, Blessed is the man, or the woman, who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is him. Look at, he will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear. When heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. Why? Because roots are everything. The root system is everything. No roots, no fruits. Good roots, good fruits. But you don't see them. They're not visible. They're buried underneath the earth. And without them, there's no fruit. They're working in the dark, supernaturally working. I don't know if you've ever seen the beautiful redwood forests. But the redwood forests, these trees that grow 250 to 300 feet tall. How can they possibly grow that tall? They have a whole bunch up in Northern California, right? How could a tree be 250, 300 feet tall and survive the winds and the storms? And when the earth quakes, it's because of their roots. They, their roots, they travel out several hundred feet and they're all intertwined with one another. They're all connected and interconnected. Listen, that's your life as a man or a woman of God. Some of you, you're a woman of God, you're a man of God, but you don't have a good root system. You're not connected to other men and women of God. So when the storms of life come and the winds come, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become what I call a tumbleweed Christian. Because your roots aren't good. Your roots are bad. The roots produce the fruits. Banana trees are pretty amazing. Banana trees are almost indestructible. You can burn them down. You can tear them down. And they're going to grow right back. Why? Because of their roots. Listen, what I'm trying to say, Impact Church, is when you're rooted in Christ The world can come at you. The devil can come at you. The storms can come at you. The world can throw fire at you. But you're going to come out just fine and still bearing fruits. What does it mean to bear fruits? Galatians 5, 22, 23. What does it mean to bear fruits? It means that I know the word of God. It knows that I know how to pray. I know how to praise. I know how to worship. It means that I'm connected to the body of Christ. It means that I'm growing in Christ. So we just read Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. I want to read you the verse before those two verses in verse 6. Look what he says in verse 6. He's like a tumbleweed on the prairie. Out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. We've got to be rooted. We have got to be rooted rooted let's look at the third point when God is hiding you it's not your time yet what do you do number three continue growing your network develop a fruitful network I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way but I'm going to make you think about it this way you're only one relationship away from your entire life changing forever. One. You are one person away from your entire life changing forever. That's the power of network. Networking is all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, for example, John the Baptist brought his own disciples, uh, Andrew and Philip, to meet Jesus. And then when he connected them to Jesus, their entire lives changed forever. And then Andrew, he brings his brother, Peter, and he introduces Peter and Philip to Jesus and then Nathaniel to Jesus and their, their life changes forever. Listen, connecting with the right person can change your entire life. Connecting with the right person can open doors for you that you didn't even know were possible. It can change your business. It can change your finances. It can change your emotional and mental health. It can change, most importantly, your eternal life. Listen, you need to begin networking 
if you don't already socialize, make connections, constantly make new friends, even if you're introverted. How many are introverted? Let me see your hands. It's not very many of you. Really, honestly, like out of a thousand people, there's like five introverts in this service. How many, you, you're so introverted, you can't even raise your hand right now. You're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Nope, I can't. You want to know a weird secret about your pastor is that I am very introverted. Really. People don't think that and they can't even really picture that because I get up here and I do this, right? But guess what this is? This is one-way conversation, baby. I don't need to listen to you talk back to me. This is easy. This is, I'm in my own world, in my own little game, in my own little space. Like, this is easy. You know what's hard for me? Is when I walk out into the community and I see one of you. And if you're like, man, PT, he was a jerk. He didn't even talk to me. Let's just know that that is something I'm working on. It's not that I don't like you or I don't want to talk to you. One-on-one, I'm super awkward. That's when it's good to have my wife around because she's like the social butterfly. She could never be on stage. Like, don't even ever ask me to be on stage. But when it comes to, like, relationships, I mean, she's the life of the party. She's great with people. And then there's me. I don't want to be around people ever, which is hard for a man who's called to people, right? Some of the hardest things I do is in the Phoenix Suns arena because I'm by myself and I got to go meet new people. Picture being introverted and you got to walk into the other team's locker room and you got to go talk to them about, hey, we're going to have chapel in a little bit. See you guys there at such and such time. That's like an introvert's nightmare, (laughs) right? Some of you are like, oh, it would be so cool to be in the other team's locker room. You're extroverted. You would probably like that. The introverts are like, no, thank you. Listen, I'm just saying even if you're introverted, there is power in a network. You have to force yourself to get outside of yourself because introverted person, one person can change your life forever and ever and ever. I call these people gatekeepers. There's gatekeepers all throughout our lives. You got to be nice to everyone because you never know who the gatekeeper is. You never know who could open the floodgates of blessing onto your life. So you've got to learn to step outside of yourself and grow your network, your network. This is part of developing the fruit in your life, the fruit. There's this interesting verse that I want to read to you. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 13, verse 22, because he's talking about planting seeds. He's talking about the seed being the word of God in your life in this analogy. Look what he says. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Some of you are producing bad fruit because you're planted in toxic soil. Some of you. You just simply need to de-weed and you need to pull some weeds in your life. Or let me say it another way. Some of you, you need to prune some stuff out of your life. You need to cut some things out of your life. You wonder why your fruit isn't so great right now. It's because of the soil that you're planted in. It's because of the weeds that you've allowed in your life and you have to pull the weeds. We have these rose bushes in our front yard and it's Arizona and in June and July and August, it's hot, it's humid. We used to have something called monsoons that came through our state and it cooled us off for a good month. Well, we haven't had a good monsoon in a few years, but the monsoons would really make like you could go to bed one night with a perfectly manicured backyard, wake up the next morning with an eight foot weed. (laughs) Right. 
They grow crazy. What happens if I don't pull the weeds out from around the rose bushes is the weeds steal the nutrients that the roses need. And then the roses won't grow effectively or healthy. Same is true with you. Some of y'all got some weeds in your life that are stealing the health and the nutrients out of your life. And you know, you know a weed when you see a weed. Some of you, those big eight foot weeds in your life, those are simply some friends that you run with, Jeremy. I see you got a Devin Booker shirt on. Oh, is it Steve and Devin? That's cool. Both with a nose problem. That's cool, man. Because before the playoffs, you were like, Lakers going to win, LeBron. And I I kept trying to tell you, man. I kept trying to tell you, this is our year. How many of you did I tell? This is our year. I said that before the playoffs. And everybody's like, oh, no, the Phoenix Suns, they just getting lucky. And so here we are just trashing everybody. And now you got a Devin Booker shirt on. I love it. I love it, Jeremy. Come on. Let's go. I only pick on people if they can handle it. Would never do that to you, Cassie. Ever. <laughs> Only Jeremy. Jeremy's a preacher's kid. So I could pick. Sometimes they're the worst, aren't they? Those preacher kids. So I got I to gotta pick on Jeremy a little bit. But listen, this is what I'm trying to say is that the Bible tells us. Okay, I want to read this to you in John 15 too. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus, Jesus cuts off every branch. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it back so that it will be even more fruitful. See, this is the hard part about pruning. What in your life needs to be pruned? Some of you, if you just cut a couple certain people out of your life, your life would start to become incredibly fruitful. For some of you, it's just certain people. It might just be one person. If you just cut them out of your life, I know it sounds crazy. It sounds like, man, that is wild. But y'all know, just like I know, the word says that bad company corrupts good character. And if you just associated with the right people and disassociated with the wrong people, your life would become incredibly fruitful. You would bear good fruit because of the soil that you're planted in. So cut off every branch in your life that's not bearing fruit and then cut back every branch that it is bearing fruit. Now listen, so that it can become more fruitful. That sounds crazy. We have an orange tree and we have a lemon tree. And that thing right now needs to be pruned, both of them. I mean, they just got branches going every which way. I'm going to have to lop off some branches that actually are living branches so that the overall health of the tree is even better than it is today. There are some things in your life that might not be bad things, but they're not the best things. There are some things in your calendar. They might not be bad things. Video games social media, whatever. They might not be bad things, but they're not the best things. You've got some friends in your life. They may not be terrible. They're not the worst friends. They're just not the best friends. They're good people. You love them, but they're just they're just slowing down your walk with Christ. They're preventing you from becoming everything God wants you to become. So you've got to cut off the branches that don't bear fruit. And you've got to cut back the branches that do bear fruit. Pruning. deweeding. What do you need to prune in your life today? I gave four things that I want you to write down. A, B, C, and D. Some things you need to delete in your life. Letter A is deplete things that are, delete things that are depleting you. They just drain you. Can you think of anything? You can't, you can't delete your kids. Okay. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't, you can't delete. You're like 
He just gave me the green light to divorce this joker. I'm not saying leave your man or your woman. But if there are things in your life that are draining you, they're depleting you, you delete them. Okay? B, delete the things that are demeaning you. They're bringing you down. They're messing with your security. They're messing with who you know that you are in Christ. It could be somebody that you follow. They're a supermodel. And every time you look at them, it messes with your own self-esteem and value. I don't know what it is. Letter C, deplete the things that are diluting you. They're diluting your life. You know, diluted, a diluted Christian is like a lukewarm Christian. That's what Revelation 3 talks about. He's like, hey, you're not hot. You're not cold. Uh, you're making me sick to my stomach. Like, I'm going to have to spit you out of my mouth. Those are the words of God in Revelation 3. Delete the things that are diluting your life. And most importantly, letter D is to delete the things that are defeating you. Some of us, we keep staying in games where we're going to lose every single time. Okay, let's look at the fourth and final point today is to continue growing in your relationship with God. So here's what I want to ask you to do for a minute. I want you to ask yourself this question is think of your relationship with God like a marathon. Okay, here's the beginning. The gun's going to go off. Boom. And it's a marathon. Anybody ever ran a marathon? Raise your hand. This is overachievers. Good for you. Can't think of any reason I would do that. Like not, not one single reason. But you run in a marathon. I, I ran a 5K one time. One time. My wife was like, you should do this 5K with me. And this was like, we were, I was, this is probably 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. And back then, you know, I was like, super in shape as far as like cardiovascular i could run basketball games for hours so i'm like 5k let's go so she's training for it i am not however because let's face it i could do 40k and be just fine right so i never forget and it's in the hills of arizona it wasn't a flat 5k it was a hilly 5k i just say 5k but anyway see this guy boom and there's like Hundreds of people. And I took off like Forrest Gump. I mean, I was gone. (laughs) Right? I was. I was so far ahead of the second person, it wasn't even funny. 1K down. 2K down. 3K down. 4K. I walked for like a K and a half. I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. There's this scene in my head, this, this moment where I'm walking. I got cramps and splinters and, and, and here goes my wife and her friend right by me, right on by me. And not only that, a guy, I'm not kidding you. He had to have been 85 years old. I mean, he had no speed going. He was just consistent all the way through, you know? I watched this old wrinkled up raisin just blow right on by me. You got to be kidding me, man. See, what I've learned about life is a lot of people are good starters and bad finishers. A lot of people in their journey with God are good starters and bad finishers. I know a lot of people that have been in ministry who are no longer in ministry because they start well. They start out strong, but they finish weak. And my goal for my life is that I finish strong. I want to finish strong as a husband. I want to finish strong as a daddy. I want to finish strong as your pastor. I hope I die being your pastor one day. I want to finish strong. So life is a marathon. Your your walk with Christ is a marathon. The starting point when the gun goes off is, Jesus, I give you my life. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. That's the starting point. A lot of us think that's the end. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It just started. So think of your life in terms of a marathon with the Lord. What's the next step for you? Point number four, keep growing in your relationship with God. What's the next step? 
for you to grow in your relationship with God. Some of you come to church every Sunday, but you're not connected, right? You're not like that redwood tree. You don't have men and women of God that you're connected to where your roots are deep in the word of God and intertwined within the people of God. Maybe the next step for you is you need to get connected. Maybe. Maybe you want to come today after the second service and come to class And that's your next step. You know what? I see growth track. We call it growth track because we want you to grow. We want you to grow in your walk with Christ because it's going to bring so many blessings and benefits into your life. Maybe the next step is you need to start a daily prayer time. You love God, but you don't. Let's face it. You don't have a daily prayer time. Maybe, hey, you know what? I need to get my face in the word every day. I'm going to read 15 minutes every morning before I do anything. 15 minutes. Next step is I'm going to grow in the word of God. What is your next step? Maybe you want to get baptized. You said, I believe in Christ. I acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior. My next step is I want to get water baptized. Maybe you need to sign up for water baptism on our church website. Okay, I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 16, 11 says this, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Constantly pursue God, constantly pursue the face of God, constantly pursue a relationship with God. You know, there's a, there's a story in the New Testament in the book of Luke, it's in chapter 19, it's not in your outline, but it's in the Bible. And it's in Luke 19, it's the story of Zacchaeus. I love the story of Zacchaeus because the Bible says Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Jesus was coming through. He was surrounded by massive crowds. Jesus is coming through. And the Bible says Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Listen to what the word says. But he was short. I love it. I love the details of the Bible. I want to see God. I want to see Jesus. But man, I can't see over all these people. If Jesus walks by through this crowd right now, I'll definitely be overlooked. He'll never see me and I'll get overlooked. So what does he do? The Bible says he climbs up in this sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Jesus spots him and he says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down, man. You know what? I'm going to go with you to your house today. And he says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. See, there's something to God is certainly pursuing you, but are you pursuing God? God is pursuing you, but you are, are you pursuing God? This last uh, Friday night, I had a really cool moment, and I cannot tell you who the moment was with, but I got a call from one of the Phoenix Suns players, and And by the way, you guys are so funny. Like when I post stuff on Instagram and y'all ask me like private details, you know, I'm not even going to answer that. Right. Like somebody was like, hey, it's Chris Paul. Like I'm not answering. That's not for me to tell. Right. Or, you know, I put my notes on what I talked about and somebody's like, "Okay, but how does that apply to the task at hand? If I was the one having to speak to the task at hand, I would be called a coach making millions of dollars. That's not my role. My role is to teach them the Bible. It doesn't matter if it's five minutes before the game, if it's 15 minutes before the game, an hour before the game. My role is to encourage them and teach them the Bible. The coach gets to tell them about the task at hand. Everything I do down there is confidential. Just like it would be with you guys. You know, it'd be confidential if I was meeting with you privately. I wouldn't get up here and go, hey, guess what? I had this meeting with Cassie in my office, right? No, it's private, man. But but I won't tell you the name, but I got a phone call. PT, we're about to get on the plane to head to Milwaukee. But when I land, can I call you? Because I need to know what I need to do in my next steps with God. This person goes to chapel every game, has all year, says, I think I want to be baptized, but can you talk to me about it? So Friday night, I spent an hour on the phone with this player. And you know that Friday night, I had the privilege of leading this player in a sinner's prayer to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior the very first time. 
It's a big deal. It's a big deal. But what it, show, what it shows is this. What it shows is this. Is that you can sit in chapel every single game and not have a relationship with Christ. What it shows is this. You can sit at Impact Church every single Sunday and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To me, you guys, that's terrifying. Because the only reason I'm here, it's not to entertain. It's not to make you laugh. All that stuff's fun. I think church should be fun. The only reason I'm here is I want you to have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And just like Zacchaeus had to pursue Christ, just like this player, he's pursuing on his own. Yes, God pursues us, but are you pursuing him? Are you pursuing him in a relationship with him? Is your life as a man, a woman of God, only about what God does for you? Or is there a part of it that's also about what you'll do for him? Because that's what changes the game for your life. When you learn that life is truly about giving your life away that's when you find fulfillment it's not about getting it's not about gaining it's about giving true living comes from giving i shared a story probably a year ago or more but i'll close with this story because it's almost the next service time but they have no parking out there right now isn't it awesome we can just mess with them for a while but My best friend's little sister, this was 15 years ago, she, uh, she was a triathlete and, and she went to Gonzaga University. And by the way, it's Gonzaga, not Gonzaga. Just in case anybody was wondering, but even though you probably weren't, Gonzaga. She was a law student, health nut, triathlete. She got stomach cancer. And they gave her six months to live. She lived four and she, and she passed on. She was like my own little sister. She was a couple years younger than I was. I remember I get a call. Well, her and her family were all up in Washington, where Gonzaga is. Spokane. Or Spokane. Or Spokant. Spokane. Spokane sounds too much like cocaine, so I'm going to go with Spokane. So I said, you know what? I got to get a flight. And you know, booking a last minute flight is never a good seat ever. So I go to Southwest and I'm sad and I'm tired. And my best friend's little sister, it's like my little sister, is fighting for her life. And I'm an introvert. I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to sit by people I don't know. It's terrifying. Lord Jesus, if possible, could I please have the whole row to myself? I don't care where the row is, Lord. I don't, I never want to talk to anybody, but I really don't want to talk to anybody right now. It's not that I don't like people. It's just, just, it's just, it's just part of who I am. So I go to the back, there's a row, three chairs. I'm like, God is so good. The, the plane's packed, but there's three seats. I'm, you know, they, have, they board group A, B, C. I was like Z or something like that. And so I'm like, Okay, but there's three seats. And of course, it's the very back row that they don't, you know, recline. Nobody wanted them. But I'm like, that's fine. It's to myself. So then I'm sitting there and nobody's boarding. And I'm just like, please shut the door. Please shut the door. Please shut the door. Please, God, shut the door. Lord, Blake, that lady shut the door right now in Jesus' name. Nope. In walks about a six foot four, 300 pound flashiest person maybe I've ever met in my life. There's only two seats left on this plane and they're by me. I say, no, Lord, no, no, Lord. He's walking down, flirting with every woman on the plane and I can hear it from the back, right? So I said, no, Lord. (laughs) I think I'm going to preach a sermon when prayers didn't work out someday. And so... Of course, he comes, sits by me, and he's loud. He's just flamboyant. He's loud, right? So I got my headphones on. It's another trick. Put your headphones on and act like he doesn't exist. So he comes and he sits down. And he's like, hey, what's your name? Hey, what's your name? 
you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. So I, I said, Travis, and I turned my, Travis, like I didn't even ask his name. And he goes, ask me what my name is. And this is, this is, I said, what's your name? <laughs> and he goes, crocodile. I said, nice to meet you, crocodile. Don't think in my mind, I'm thinking this is weird, man, in every way. And then he goes, ask me why. He won't stop. I said, why? And he goes, because baby boy, crocodile, going to make you smile. And I'm like, this is not happening right now. I'm going somewhere. Hang with me. So, so then we start talking and he's like, what do you do for a living? And that's just the worst for me because I look like I'm being standoffish and a jerk. I'm just sad and introverted. And then he asked me what I do for a living. You know, well, I'm a pastor of a church, you know, a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor. I'm religious too you know what? I'm Muslim. And I'm like, we have so much in common. You know, he's like, like you are. Yeah, I am. I said, but what do you do for a living? So now I start feeling like, okay, I got to talk to this dude. And he says, well, back in the day, I was Mike Tyson's trainer. And he shows me his forearm. He's got this big tattoo of Tyson's face on his arm. Right. like well that's cool you know so what do you do now well I just got out of prison and I was like oh really yeah what'd you go to prison for manslaughter (laughs) so then he starts telling me all these stories about when he was with Mike and we were on this private jets all the time and we had all the ladies on the plane and we had all the food and he said man I remember one time I looked over at Mike and I got the ladies all around me and the food and he said I looked at Mike and I said Mike we living now ain't we and I said see I see it different now mind you this guy just got out of prison for manslaughter I'm not sure how much I should disagree with him but I said The way I see it is that life isn't about getting and gaining and fulfilling like our flesh. It's about giving your life away. That true living comes from giving. And so we had a great conversation and then uh, we landed. And so I'm texting my wife this story. Well, she, you know, she's Googling him and she's like, Travis, just promise me one thing. Do not give him your number. Do not give him your number. Right? So we're about to get off the plane. He's like, man, can I get your number? So what am I supposed to do? Like, if I don't give him my number, is he going to kill me? Like, I don't know. So I give him my number and, you know, we kept up for a little bit. But it's such a funny story because we really think as humans that, like, life is about getting, gaining, acquiring, Right? Even in relationships, it's about me, right? I want you meet my needs. That's my relationship, right? But it's nothing like that. Life is about giving your life away. What's great about the scriptures is that Jesus didn't just mention stuff in the Bible. He modeled it in the Bible for us. He didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us how to do it. And he laid down his life for you. That's what true living is all about. When you learn that living is all about giving, that's when you start to find fulfillment and satisfaction. And you start to realize that, you know what? Life actually is a good time because I've learned that giving my life away is what it's actually about. I want to pray for you if you would. Would you bow your heads with me and close in prayer? If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, You know, just like that Phoenix Suns player, just like I did when I was 17 years old, just like so many people in here have done over the last 10 years. Today, you say, you know what? 
you're speaking to me, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to acknowledge Jesus as my Savior. The Bible says it's pretty easy. You just, in Romans 10, 9, it says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. It's that simple. You believe it, you confess it. Jesus, you are Lord. And so if today you want to give your life to Christ, I just want you to pray this prayer from your own lips, from your own heart. Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for unconditional love. God, teach me to live for you. Teach me to give my life away for you like you gave your life away for me. Lord, for all of us, what's the next step in our relationship with God in this marathon? God, teach us, encourage us. God, we want to be rooted in Christ. We want to bear good fruit. God, show us things that need to be pruned out of our lives and give us the courage to prune the weeds that need to be pulled out. God, give us the courage to pull the weeds out so that we can be healthier and that we can bear good fruit. Father, I thank you for our church family today. I thank you for the love in this room. I thank you for the lives, the personal stories. God, every person in here that your love, your favor showers upon them, your blessings would be upon their lives. God, we're grateful today to serve a loving God. And God, we just want to love you back. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.